Hello, it's Pastor Malcolm here with the service for Sunday the 1st of May. Let's pray. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Son. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Almighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we welcome you in our midst. Open my lips to bless you and my mouth shall declare your praise. Blessed are you, gracious God. I will give you glory and praise forever. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when he said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for your goodness and love in our lives. We ask that you ascend of your spirit to prepare our hearts to worship you to give you thanks and praise for all that you have first done for us. We come and we confess our sins. Father, forgive. Forgive us our sins according to your eternal word. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Set us free to love and serve you with all our heart. And Lord Jesus, we want to lift you up because you are our saviour our Lord, our friend. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given of yourself for us. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We love you. We want to serve you, follow you. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Gloria is going to uh, sing for us. You were there before the world began to be From eternity you called and you fashioned me You've loved me as the apple of your eye You've drawn my fallen heart You've led me all my life The angels sing an endless grace and love with everything that is and ever was, crying, Holy, Holy Lord. You're the Savior of the world, we extol you, bringing glory to you, Lord. We'll never stop, for you are God forevermore. So we're going to read from Nehemiah chapter 2 and from verse 11. Nehemiah chapter 2 and from verse 11. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool. But there wasn't enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I'd gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. 
But then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and then we'll no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Amen. May God bless his word to us and uh, as we read it and study it together. Last week in our Bible study, we saw that Nehemiah carried the burden to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He prayed about it, then he sought the king of Persia's permission. And when the king said yes, he prepared to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. In chapter 2, verse 8, we saw that Nehemiah knew that the gracious hand of God was upon him because he had the support of the king. God had opened the door and the king uh, allowed him to speak and share the need. This week, our theme is everyone joins in. And we'll see how in God's word, how Nehemiah called the people to action. Secondly, that he called the people to worship. And thirdly, how in the New Testament, we are called to be living stones in building the church today. So firstly, Nehemiah called the people to action. The first thing Nehemiah does when he returns to Jerusalem is to survey the walls. We saw that in verses 11 to 16 of our reading. You see, he, he goes out at night and, and he gets on his horse and he, he goes and has a look around because he'd heard, he'd been told what things were like, but he wanted to see it for himself. He wanted to understand it. He wanted to feel it. He wanted to own it. And so he goes and, and rides around and sees how broken down the, the, the stones are, uh, the wall is. I mean, this is true for us in our church life. There are times when we need to take stock and we're going to be doing that next week um, at our church lunch. We want to ask ourselves what's good and what's encouraging in our church. And at the same time, we want to say, what do we need to improve on? What concerns do we have going forward? Because we want to be the best church we can for Jesus. That's what we're here for. And we need to be honest, listen to one another and then see what we need to do going forward and we do that in, through uh, listening through sharing what we believe God has put on our heart and through praying and seeking God's vision for our church and so in verses 17 to 18 Nehemiah calls the people to action he's he's explained the need and he says now let's rebuild the wall let's end this disgrace Buildings are not just something we use, they are, they are symbolic, they're important to us and they speak of who we are. Nehemiah knew that the crumbling walls in Jerusalem reflected their crumbling faith in God. And ultimately, you see, this is the thing, ultimately Nehemiah didn't care that much about the walls, but what he cared about was the people of God and the way that they were drifting away from their obedience to the covenant and their dependency on the God of heaven. This was the God who had brought them out of Egypt, who had set them up to be a nation that was intended to be a blessing to the nations around them. But these people had ended up being corrupt, as corrupt as the other nations who had no God and no covenant. So when he called them to rebuild the walls, he was calling them to rebuild their faith and rebuild their identity as a people who were committed uh, to God, devoted to God and committed to the covenant that God had made with them. 
And verse 18 is remarkable because after um, Nehemiah issues this call, where he says, you know very well what trouble we are in. Uh, Jerusalem lies in ruins. Let's rebuild the wall. And they said at once and as one people, they said, yes, let's rebuild the wall. And the Bible says, so they began the good work. I think that's remarkable because we see how they heard uh, what Nehemiah shared with them. They saw it for themselves with their own eyes and they felt it. They resonated with it and said, yes, we want to renew our faith. We want to rebuild our uh, commitment to God and to the covenant. Let's do this thing. And so in chapter three, which we didn't read, there's this whole list of detail of how they went about that. So, for example, the first couple of verses, Elias, uh, chapter three, verse one. Then Eliashib, the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its stores, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zachar, son of Imri. And it goes on and on and on through chapter 3. <coughs> and it's just fascinating how everybody took responsibility to build a piece of the wall. And even people who wouldn't necessarily be wall builders, so the priests and the servants in the temple and the goldsmiths and metal workers the people who wouldn't normally be doing this kind of work, they're all there because this is a task they want to complete together. Everyone stepped up uh, to make this happen. And I think there's a real lesson for us here in church life, isn't there? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul calls the church the body of Christ. Christ is the head and we are the different parts of the body. We all have a part to play. You know, Jesus didn't envisage, and, and Paul didn't, the Apostle Paul didn't envisage that a church would be a place where there'd just be one person at the front leading the worship, doing the prayers, speaking the word, and then everybody goes home. No, Jesus, Paul, they always envisaged that the church was a place where everybody has a part to play. And one part is no more or less important than the other. Some may be up front roles, some may be roles behind the scenes. And we're so blessed in our church to have so many people doing so many things. Um, it's just a real blessing and we're really grateful for all that everybody does. But we all have a role to play, directed by Christ our head, and we're gifted and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's a challenge here for us that we together find our place in the body of Christ. But the second thing, the first thing is that Nehemiah calls the people to action. The second thing is Nehemiah calls the people to worship. Because as I've already implied, the, the building of the wall is really about the building of the people, of building back up in Christ, well, in God, in their faith and their commitment to the covenant. You see, the two books, Ezra and Nehemiah, go together. Now, we haven't looked at Ezra, Ezra and Ezra comes before Nehemiah. But if you read Ezra, Ezra's in two parts. The first part, chapters 1 to 6, tells the story of the rebuilding of the temple. And Haggai, the prophet, fits into this. He tells the people, you know, you have fantastic homes, but look at the broken down temple. Now come, let's rebuild the temple and let's rebuild the worship of the temple. He shames them into rebuilding the temple. 
But the second part of Ezra, chapter 7 to 10, tells how Ezra comes to restore the rituals and the worship of the temple. And so all that has been done. When Nehemiah comes, it's about rebuilding the wall. But in so doing, he calls the people to worship because he sees that even though the temple has been rebuilt and Ezra is there to um, uh, restore the rituals of the temple, the people were still not there. They were still not far from God and there was still more to do. And and Nehemiah comes and, and, and puts that vision before them to be the people that God has called them to be. And so if we read on in Nehemiah, for example, chapter 8, um, Ezra comes to read the publicly the law of Moses. They build a, a place for him to get up and stand and, and speak forward, uh, speak out the, the law of Moses and remind the people what's there. Chapter 9, we find that there's a time of confession for the people to confess their sins, to recognise how far they've fallen away from what God called them to. And they make their confessions. Chapter 10, they then make their vows, their commitment, their promise that from this day forth, they shall uh, restore their commitment to fulfill, the uh, be obedient to the Lord. Chapter 11, they repopulate the city of Jerusalem. People who were scattered are then invited to come back and, and rebuild their lives in the city of Jerusalem. And then chapter 12, they dedicated the walls with a massive celebration. And this really symbolizes the fact that Nehemiah was ultimately calling the people back to worship God and put God first in their lives. You know, next week, I think when we have this uh, lunch, uh, church lunch, we're going to have a Thanksgiving wall because we've come through so much, particularly in recent years with the pandemic. And, And as a church, we have so much that we could do, but we also need to pause and say thank you. Thank you to God for all that he has done for us. Thank you to God for carrying us through this difficult time. But also um, uh, thanking one another and and celebrating together what we have done together through these uh, difficult years, through the pandemic. And so we saw in in Nehemiah chapter 12, and uh, I'm just turning to it now, uh, and verse 43, that on that day, many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day. But God had given the people cause for great joy. And the women and children also participated in the celebration. And the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. There we are in chapter 12 from verse 27 to 43. We read about the celebration that they had when they uh, dedicated the walls. The choirs were out singing and people were eating and celebrating and just uh, delighted in all that God had done for them. So Nehemiah called the people to action. He called the people to worship. Um, And thirdly... um, my third thing is that you, we are living stones. We are called to be living stones, showing the goodness of God in the world today. You see, how do we get from Nehemiah to where we are today? God's not calling us to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And uh, so, so what's the relevance for us? Well, when we turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses uh, 4 to 5, we read this. You... And he's talking to us, the church. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honour. 
And you are living stones, living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. And then in verses 9 and 10, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. Amen. You see, the sad thing about Nehemiah is that despite all the rebuilding work that went on, the people of God in Jerusalem could never fulfill the covenant that God had given them. They could never live up to their calling because of their sinfulness and their fallenness. And so even in the time of Nehemiah, this enthusiastic moment of rebuilding the walls and the temple and restoring the worship wasn't sustained. And this is 400 years before Christ. And that 400 years between this time and when Christ came and Christ was born, it was the the dark age um, for the Israelites. Jerusalem was later ruled by the Greeks and then the Romans by the time of Jesus. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 38, when Jesus was presented in the temple after his birth, Luke writes that Anna, the prophet, talked about Jesus to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for for, for God to rescue Jerusalem. You see, even though Nehemiah and Ezra did all this work, rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the worship, rebuilding the walls, it still wasn't sustainable. And people were longing for God to rescue Jerusalem. That's why when Jesus began his ministry, they were saying, is this the time? Is this the time when God is going to restore Jerusalem and drive out the Romans and we will, um, uh, you know, be con- control our own destiny again? And Jesus said, no, 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 because God was doing a new thing. Jesus said to them, you don't put old wine into new wineskins. God had a new plan for his people. And it wasn't about the physical temple anymore. And it wasn't about the walls of Jerusalem anymore. It was about a people of God filled with the Spirit, sent out to the corners of the earth to tell people about what God had done in Christ. The Christ that died on the cross and risen again on the third day. That the Holy Spirit was poured out. And any and all, whether Jew or Greeks live or free, male or female, um, were called to become disciples of Christ. To give their lives to Jesus, to know the forgiveness of sins and become followers of Christ Jesus. This is the new thing that God was doing. So 1 Peter 2 verse 5, this is, and you, you are living stones. We're not going to rebuild the temple with with, uh, physical rock stones and we're not going to rebuild walls. No, you are living stones. Wherever the place are that you are living as followers of Jesus, wherever the church is, you are living stones that God is building up into his spiritual temple. Verse 9 says you are royal priests, a holy nation to show others the goodness of God. Can you see what's going on here? Peter's talking about the church. He's talking about you and me. We are those living stones built together into a people who will show others the goodness of God. So we see how Nehemiah called the people to action and they rebuilt the walls. He called them to worship because that was the most important thing. But also it points us forward to see the new thing that God is doing in our time, that we are living stones being built together. Um, to show the glory of God 
in our world and to call people to follow Christ. See, Nehemiah is such a great book of the Bible. Take time to read it. It teaches us so many practical things about walking with God and stepping out in faith and praying um, about everything that we do, every step of the journey. But more than that, it points us forward to the new covenant, to see the new thing that God was doing in Jesus in the New Testament. We can't read Nehemiah in isolation. We read it in the context of the New Testament. God is building his church, and we are part of that. God is no longer interested in the old stones of Jerusalem, but is building a new Jerusalem that is still to come. But more of that in two weeks' time when we return to Nehemiah for our third study in this series. You are merciful and tender to my tears. You've carried all my cares. You felt all that I feel. So when I fall back into a troubled soul, you remind me who I am. And you come so close, I join the endless song of grace and love. With everything that is and ever was, crying holy, holy Lord. You're the saviour of the world, we extol you, bringing glory to you Lord. We'll never stop, for you are God forevermore. Every corner of the earth, hear the song that's ringing out. He is wonderful, and the worship you deserve. We'll never stop, for you are God forevermore. Oh, 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 oh. Stop for you are God forevermore. Crying holy, holy Lord. You are Saviour to the world. We exalt you, bringing glory to you, Lord. We'll never stop for you are God forevermore. We'll never stop for you are God forevermore. Thank you for joining us today and thank you Gloria for that lovely song. Let's close our time together saying saying together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.